Welcome back to Nachiyomi. Today we're going to be covering the section of the eighth parak of Sefer Shoftim. We're in a really a action-packed parak. This is now following the battle of Gidon against the pillaging Midianites, against the Amalekim, against the Bnei Kedem. There's a miraculous battle which took place with 300 men against literally tens if not hundreds of thousands of people. So now, as they are in retreat, so Gideon is now uh, has rallied all of the people of the local Israelites to the to the battle. Suddenly, we have an interlude, a very strange interlude. So Ephraim, that means the representatives of Ephraim, come over to Gideon and said, "Hey, why didn't you call us to battle first? I mean, like, why were you taking all the glory?" And so, I mean, they felt they were left out. And uh, and what what Gideon says is, "No, no, no. You know what? We're the, the the worst of you are better than the best of us. You really, we should have called you." Please, you know, you, you, we wouldn't be able to capture their kings without you. Please, you know, um, uh, um, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't think that you were excluded, um, you, even though you came in um, secondary. And uh, we're going to see this as a, just as a, a side comment. We're going to see that this is going to continue happening. This rift uh, between different tribes in Israel. Here we have it on a on a on a small level in the middle of a battle. They haven't finished the battle yet, and already one somebody's saying, ah, you know, I don't feel like we were included. We really didn't get up to the stage first. And this is gonna this is gonna be the last time where one person who happens to be Gideon is gonna be able to hold it together. We're gonna see civil war unfolding in the in the next few chapters as it gets darker. But right now this is again the same thing we saw with Devora. We're seeing it now with the other tribes. Let's go a little further. The next thing that happens is also rather shocking. He's now moving, he's on the east bank of the Jordan, he's pursuing the enemy, and he stops off at the, at the city called Sukkos, Jewish city, Israelites living there. He says, please go us food. And they say, mm, do you have the kings, Zevach and Salmunah, those are the Midianite kings, the remaining ones, do you have them uh, in, in shackles that we can, uh, we should give it to you? Uh, sorry, we're not, we're not, we're not, no, shop is closed today. Send them on their way. Then he goes on to the next city called Penuel. Penuel had this, this tower there. And he said, please, water, food, something. And they said, sorry, uh, you know, if you had the king, if you had, your, if you had the kings of the Midianites with you, we'd, we'd give you some water, but not right now. And, uh, and he says, when I return, he says to the people of Sukkot, when I return, I'm going to torture you. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, drag you through the thorns. And he says to the people of Penuel, I'm going to destroy your tower and kill you. Wow, these are very serious, 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 serious threats. Now, so they they charge into battle. The, the Tanakh gives a very short reference about this battle. They go up a side route in which they and they uh, they overcome the, the camp of the Midianites. Just to give you a sense of numbers now, already at this point in time, before this battle, 120,000 people had died already. 120,000 Midianites have died in, in the face of the first 300 men who chased them falling upon themselves and this is now the remaining camp which was which was destroyed destroyed the, the, and Gideon manages to capture the two kings Zevach and Salmuna and everybody else flees um, so on the way back now Gideon goes back to those cities of Sukkos and Penuel first he captures a spy from the city and he a young lad and he asks the address of the of the elders of Sukkos and he tells them where the 77 elders live he takes them out and he goes in and he, and he pulls them through the thorns so that everybody should know that they were acted inappropriately and then he goes to Penuel and he destroys the the, the tower and he kills the people of this Penuel Jewish people wow this is this is very very serious we're going to get to the why's and how this works soon um, actually, you know what, let, let, let's do it just before we go, because there's still a little bit left in the parak. let's just do, deal with one, some of the issues over here right now. Number one is, is like, what is going on over here? I mean, like, how can he, um, how does he have the right to do that, to do this to the people of Penuel? Um, so the, what the Mephoshim debate is that, 
is that um, Radaxas, maybe when he came back to them, the Penuel staged a, a, a rebellion, and in, in the fighting they were killed. But it wasn't that he really intended to kill them, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was killed in action. The Abavanel says, no, he was acting like a king. He said, look, this is a national security issue. If you don't support me, this is a, 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 you are liable for death. And that's what he did. Which means that we see him acting in a very lofty and powerful fashion over here. Um, just, just to appreciate this as well, the reason why maybe that Penuel got more of a serious treatment was because they, uh, they had a tower, they had more protection, so they should have been more confident in their position. The reason why both Sukkot and Penuel were not offering him help in water was because they were hedging. They didn't want to be support the Israelites, this, this band of 300 men and their, and their friends, you know, chasing the Midianites. When the Midianites would come back to them on the East Bank, they would kill, kill them themselves. So they hedged their bets and Gidon says there's no hedging when it's national security, and that's what seems to be happening over here. Um, so then what happens is he brings back these kings, Zevach and Salmona, and he says something strange. He says to his son, he says, um, first he asks them, do you know these people you, you, caught, you captured in, ta in Tavor? Um, you killed in Tavor? And they said, yeah, they look just like you, um, but we killed them. And he says, those are my brothers. And Gidon says, if you hadn't killed my brothers, I would have left you alive. And he tells his son to go kill them. His son doesn't want to. And uh, he gets up and he, gets up, uh, he, gets up and he kills uh, the, the, the kings himself. And he takes their, 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 the armor on their, on their camel. At this point in time, with such a powerful victory, every, every day in Israel turns to him and unanimously says, Gidon, you should be our king. This is the first request for a king. Before Shmuel, before Shalomelech. And he says a fascinating response. I'm not going to take command. Hashem will take control of you. Hashem is your king. Very noble answer. It's actually almost the same words Shmuel uses later when rejecting the request of a king, when the people ask for, for it from him. But what he does is he does something strange. He takes all the, all, all the spoils of the war and he takes a, a tax out of that. And he uses the, that tax to create an aphod, which is some sort of like, you know, garment, military garment, which he hangs up in his hometown in, um, in northern Israel. And he uh, makes it as in, in Ofra and he makes it a, as a monument, a war monument, which the Mephoshim say he's trying to do in order to like make, 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 make people remember the miracles. But the Tanakh already tells us that it was a mokesh. It turned out to be a trap and people started serving at Avodah Zorah, whether in his life or after his life, it, it, it did not work out. So on the one hand, he's sort of demanding the power of a king. You know, he's demanding the recognition, the military recognition. On the other hand, he's rejecting it overtly. So it's a very, we're getting mixed messages from Gideon. The mixed messages continue when we see the next part of the of, of the parak, which tells us that he settles down, and Yerubal or Gidon, that's his other name, um, uh, marries uh, marries many wives and has seventy children, and has a, a Pilegesh and has a child whose name is Avimelech. Now that's very strange because having many wives is the no, is a symbol of a king. So he's saying I'm not a king, but he's actually acting like a king. And then he has a son, and he calls the son Avimelech. Avimelech literally means my father is a king. So he's saying no to kingship, but he's actually acting like a king. Um, and uh, the Tanakh tells us that he died at a good old age and was buried um, next to Yoash's father in Ofra. And unfortunately, the end of the parak concludes that when Gidon died, everybody kind of regressed back into their, their service of Avodah Zarah. So this is really the, the cycle restarting itself, the cycle of Shoftim. And the, the parak ends on a very sad note. But also chesed in Rubal Gidon. They didn't respond in like with kindness to his family like they did, uh, like he did to them. Which kind of reminds us, takes us full circle back to his battle cry. His battle cry was when conquering the, 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 their enemies, he used to say, call out to Hashem and Gidon, meaning to say he put himself as part of the picture of victory. Well, part of the rejection of what he stood for as they reverted back to Avodah Zorah was rejection of Hashem and rejection of the kindness that he did to the nation as well. Which leads us now to one of the 
ill-fated Shoftim, one of the negative leaders that we're going to see among the Shoftim, which is in Perek Tess. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.